0: This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's Community Access Media Organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hello and welcome to the programme. There's a story on the website Transforming Lives Through Resilience Education about a carrot, an egg, and some coffee beans, and it goes like this. A young woman went to her mother and told her about her life and how things were so hard for her. She did not know how she was going to make it and wanted to give up. She was tired of fighting and struggling. It seemed that as one problem was solved, a new one arose. Her mother took her to the kitchen. She filled three pots with water and placed each on a high fire. Soon the pots came to boil. In the first she placed carrots. In the second she placed eggs, and in the last she placed ground coffee beans. She let them sit and boil without saying a word. In about 20 minutes she turned off the burners. She fished the carrots out and placed them in a bowl. She pulled the eggs out and placed them in a bowl, and then she ladled the coffee out and placed it in a bowl. Turning to her daughter she asked, Tell me, what do you see? Carrots, eggs and coffee, the daughter replied. mother brought her closer and asked her to feel the carrots she did and noted that they were soft the mother then asked the daughter to take an egg and break it after pulling off the shell she observed the hard-boiled egg finally the mother asked the daughter to sip the coffee the daughter smiled as she tasted its rich aroma the daughter then asked what does it mean mother the mother explained that each of these objects had faced the same adversity, boiling water. Each reacted differently. The carrot went in strong, hard and unrelenting. However, after being subjected to the boiling water, it softened and became weak. The egg had been fragile. Its thin outer shell had protected its liquid interior. But after sitting through the boiling water, its insides became hardened. The ground coffee beans were unique, however. After they were in the boiling water, they had changed the water. Which are you? she asked her daughter. When adversity knocks on your door, how do you respond? Are you a carrot, an egg or a coffee bean? The website then asks its readers whether they are like the carrot that seems strong, but with pain and adversity wilts and becomes soft and loses its strength. Or are they like the egg that starts with a malleable heart and fluid spirit, but after a death, a break-up, a financial hardship or some other trial become hardened and stiff? Their shell might look the same, but on the inside they are bitter and tough with a stiff spirit and hardened heart. Or are they like the coffee beans that actually change the hot water, the very circumstance that brings the pain? The beans release their fragrance and flavour when the water gets hot. Similarly, when things get tough, do we get better and change the situation around us? When the hour is darkest and trials are the greatest, do we elevate ourselves to another level? The article concludes, The happiest of people don't necessarily have the best of everything. They just make the most of everything that comes along their way. The brightest future will always be based on a forgotten past. You can't go forward in life until you let go of your past failures and heartaches. Now this story opened the program today because in the text we are considering Nam Karpel's Mind Training Like the Rays of the Sun we are at the stage on transforming adversity into the path to enlightenment. Remember that Mind Training Like the Rays of the Sun is itself a commentary on another text titled The Seven Points of Mind Training. When all is going well, it is relatively easy to do our daily practices, be kind to others and so on. But what happens when everything in our life seems to go upside down? Maybe there's trouble at work, or we lose our job. Maybe our partner dies or our marriage or partnership breaks up and we lose contact with the kids. Perhaps we contract a super rare disease, Perhaps all these things happen all together. How do we react? Now from a Buddhist point of view, such times, although incredibly painful, can actually be very useful for us. If somehow we can transform our difficulties into spiritual opportunities, our practice can develop a lot more strength than when life is easy. As His Holiness the Dalai Lama says, when we meet real tragedy in life, we can react in two ways, either by losing hope and falling into self-destructive habits, or by using the challenge to find our inner strength. The choice depends on us. If we are aware, we can find beneficial ways to make use of our circumstances. But if we allow our habitual emotional entanglements to rule us, it is almost inevitable that we become miserable And then act out of negative emotion the karma we create leads to more suffering in the future but now before we go any further let's consider our motivation for participating in the program today as we usually do this program can conceivably become a cause for our enlightenment thus accomplishing the best for both ourselves and others why don't we then make this our motivation may this program become the cause for my enlightenment so I can best help myself and others. See if you can make something like this your purpose for being here today. It will really use the program for its greatest benefit. Thank you. Now returning to mind training like the rays of the sun and if you were with us last week You may remember that transforming adverse circumstances into the path is the first of five instructions about the precepts we observe in this mind training. The other four precepts are The integrated practice of a single lifetime The measure of having trained the mind The commitments of mind training And the precepts of mind training Transforming adverse circumstances into the path has two explanations Brief and elaborate Anna comes from an instruction in the Seven Points of Mind Training that reads, When the environment and its inhabitants overflow with unwholesomeness, transform adverse circumstances into the path to enlightenment. In his commentary to this line, Nam Karpel writes, The environment is filled with the circumstantial results of the ten unwholesome actions, and the sentient beings who inhabit it think of nothing but disturbing emotions and do nothing but unwholesome deeds. For this reasons the gods, Nagas and hungry spirits who favor such black actions are invigorated and increase in their power and strength. As a result spiritual practitioners in general are troubled by many interferences and those who have entered the door of the great vehicle are beset by various adverse factors. Under such circumstances if you engage in this kind of practice and are able to transform hostile influences into conducive factors to see opponents as supporters and harmful elements as spiritual friends, you will be able to use adverse conditions as supporting factors in the achievement of enlightenment. From a Buddhist point of view, when beings commit negative actions like killing, stealing, sexual misconduct and the other seven main non-virtuous actions, over time they affect the environment which becomes more difficult to live in. Now, This is pretty obvious with what is going on with our planet at the moment. Driven by greed and consumerism, we plunder our planet's resources while disregarding the well-being of the multitude of other creatures with whom we share the earth. We create sharp divisions among ourselves and pick fights, division against division. Not only do we create great future suffering for ourselves, but also for the environment, and the others that inhabit it. Negative forces that we are not overtly in contact with, those that Namkar called the gods, Nagas and hungry spirits who favour such black actions, are emboldened and empowered by the negative energy we generate and bring many difficulties and obstacles to those who are trying to make some spiritual progress. Now at such times the texts encourage us not to fight these harmful forces as evil enemies, but to view them as friends and supporters, helping us to develop our spirituality quickly, to build up our strength and resilience. If we can do this, we will be using both the good times and the bad in our practice. Nam Kapel also quotes the seven points of mind training as saying, apply meditation immediately at every opportunity. Now essentially, this means practicing tonglen whenever we can. Namkapal comments, we should take lightly every mental or physical difficulty that befalls us, be it great, moderate, or slight, whatever the circumstances, in happy or hard times, whether we are at home or in a foreign country, in a village or a monastery, in the company of human or non human friends. We should think of the many kinds of sentient beings in the boundless universe afflicted with similar problems, and make prayers that our own sufferings may serve as a substitute for theirs, that they may be parted from all misery. Considering how wonderful it is to have fulfilled the purpose of our practice of compassion by taking on the suffering of others, we should sincerely rejoice. When we enjoy happiness and prosperity and suffer no lack of food, clothing, dwellings, friends or spiritual masters, but possess these external conditions in abundance, and when suffering no internal problems, such as sudden discomfort caused by mental or physical illness, we are able to put our faith and so on into practice. And we should recognize that all these favorable conditions for following an uninterrupted great vehicle practice in these hard times when the teaching is degenerating are the fruits of merits accumulated in the past. Therefore, it is essential to endeavor to accumulate merits on the basis of pure ethics, so as to obtain such uninterrupted prosperity in future lives. Those who cannot see the point of this due to their having obtained even a little wealth are in many cases governed by pride, arrogance, and disdain. When they encounter even the slightest mental or physical trouble, they become discouraged, despondent, and defeatist. We are taught not to behave like this, but to be undisturbed whether we encounter happiness. Or suffering. His Holiness the Dalai Lama comments like this, We all have difficult circumstances that arise, both externally and internally. For example, we Tibetans have certainly had many difficult circumstances. This is now particularly true for those of us inside Tibet, as there is always the danger and fear hanging over them that they can be arrested and executed at any moment. The first point tells us that in situations such as these, when we have attitudes of hostility or attachment, or even when we simply close off and become closed-minded, we need to develop attitudes that will enable us to transform the circumstances into opportunities for spiritual progress. One way is to take on others' hostility, attachment and closed-minded naivety onto ourselves, deal with it and get rid of it for everyone. In this way, we turn adverse circumstances into positive ones. No matter what type of trouble we might have, whether physical or mental, it is helpful to try to take on everyone's trouble in that particular category and think, may this be enough for everyone. Through my sufferings, may no one else have to suffer this again. We can look upon the difficulties that happen to us as being the result of our own negative potentials that we ourselves have built up in the past not as coming from some external source. Now that they are ripening we can be happy because we are getting rid of them and wish that everyone else's negative potentials also ripen on us. Thus everyone will be rid of the possible danger of experiencing that suffering as a result of negative potential. When we experience happy conditions and circumstances we can see that these are the result of positive potentials we have built up in the past and rejoice in that, thinking I must build up even more positive potentials so that in the future there will be even more conducive circumstances for myself and for others. It is important not to fall into pride or arrogance or to boast when things are going well for us. Instead, it can encourage us to build up even more positive potential so that we won't deplete our store. this is how to change negative conditions to positive ones with our thoughts. Lama Zoparamshe, the spiritual director of the Foundation for the Preservation of the Mahayana Tradition, provides further detail about taking adverse circumstances in the path in a teaching on dealing with depression. And this is from the website viewonbuddhism.org. He recommends practicing Tonglen and says... Meditate on the extensive kindness and preciousness of all beings. Every living being is the source of all my past, present, future happiness. My own future Buddha, Dharma and Sangha come from purifying my negative karma, enabling me to attain all the realizations to achieve enlightenment. All this happens on the basis of other beings. Therefore, every sentient being is the most precious thing in my life. Anything other than working for living beings is totally meaningless. This includes experiencing depression for them. There is nothing to work for other than sentient beings. Anything else is totally meaningless. Experience depression on their behalf by thinking, this isn't my depression, but the depression of numberless beings. This is their depression, their suffering. To give them every happiness, including freedom from all the sufferings of cyclic existence and the bliss of full enlightenment is fantastic. Feel the joy of it. This is their depression, so the most wonderful thing would be to experience it for them and allow all those suffering from depression to have happiness. Then rejoice that you have this opportunity to experience this problem of depression on their behalf. How fantastic it is! that I'm experiencing this depression on behalf of all beings. Do this practice of Tong Len in the morning, afternoon and evening. Think again and again how lucky I am that I can experience this depression for them. I've made many prayers to take on others' suffering onto myself, so now these prayers are being actualized. How fantastic this is! It makes my life so rich, so meaningful. How fortunate I am to experience this depression on behalf of all living beings. Think about the meaning of your life, a psychological method that makes a huge difference because much of the problem comes from your exaggerated concept of pain. It's possible to reduce or completely eliminate pain with a mind. The purpose of my life isn't just to be healthy, wealthy and to have a good reputation, to be popular and have lots of friends. Even if I had all these things, it isn't an actual purpose of my life. Even if I live for a, a thousand years or am perfectly healthy for eons, if I don't have love and compassion in my heart, my, li- my life is meaningless and useless because my life isn't benefiting others. Leading such a life would be empty. Therefore, it doesn't matter what happens. If in my life there is health or no health, depression or no repression, cancer or no cancer, wealth or no wealth. The real purpose of my life is to make my death beneficial for others. Even if I have cancer, I'll make that experience beneficial for all beings by using it to develop compassion and bodhicitta, to achieve realizations and enlightenment. In this way, the cancer becomes the cause of happiness. Depression can also be used to achieve enlightenment To benefit all beings in this and future lives, especially all those who suffer from depression. Just like taking snake venom to produce its own anti-venom. You are using your depression to achieve enlightenment. In this way it becomes the cause of happiness for all sentient beings experiencing depression. Think, the main purpose of life is to benefit all living beings, to free them from suffering and bring them happiness in this and future lives. Even if I have this cancer, AIDS, depression or whatever, the purpose of my life is to bring happiness to all sentient beings by experiencing these problems on their behalf. And in this way, depression becomes a quick way to achieve enlightenment. The same with cancer. Use it to quickly achieve enlightenment. If it's experienced for the benefit of others, it becomes the quick path to enlightenment because experiencing suffering for others is incredible, unbelievable purification. And this is excellent. Nama Zopa continues If, on the p- basis of feeling strong compassion, you experience depression on, be- on behalf of all beings, this meditation of taking and experiencing the suffering for others is a quick path to enlightenment. It's a quick way to achieve enlightenment because experiencing cancer, depression, or any suffering for the benefit of living beings is unbelievably purifying. Suffering from depression can be a good thing because it allows you to easily see the pain of other people. By using your own experience of depression you can clearly feel the unbearable pain of many many other people. There are so many people who are depressed and many others creating karma for future bouts of depression. Experiencing depression on their behalf might be even more powerful than practicing Tantra because if Tantra isn't done correctly On the basis of the three principal paths, it's not a quick path to enlightenment. When feeling depressed, you can think, I'm exhausting so much of my negative karma to have depression that I've accumulated throughout countless past lives. Rejoice! You should feel great joy about finishing the karma instead of seeing the depression as something bad. For example, when you wash a dirty piece of cloth, the water becomes black with dirt. You don't see the black dirt as a negative thing since it means the cloth is getting clean. In the same way, when you practice dharma, negative karmas can ripen causing you to get sick because you're purifying so much negative karma by practicing the dharma. So you should rejoice when you get depressed. Depression happens in the first place due to being under the control of the ego, self-cherishing, attachment, anger, broken vows and pledges, and having disturbed the minds of holy beings and your spiritual teachers in past lives. This depression is caused by the ego, the self-cherishing attitude, and the self-existing I. So rather than accepting the depression, give it back to the self-cherishing attitude. Use the depression like a bomb to destroy the wrong conception of the I. Then meditate on the emptiness of the self-existent I. These are some ways to use depression to achieve enlightenment as quickly as possible. By using it to develop compassion and bodhicitta, you collect merit as vast as limitless space and purify unbelievable amounts of negative karma. It is being used like a powerful bomb to destroy the wrong conception of the inherently existent I, the thing that caused the depression in the first place. It's the demon that has prevented your enlightenment, your liberation from samsara, all the realizations and is the door to all your problems. That's Lama Zopa and Mache. And Venerable Tipton Gertso, also on view on Buddhism.org, compliments his Holiness the Dalai Lama and Lama Zopa with this teaching on depression. Depression is a state of extreme unhappiness described by sufferers in a recent BBC radio program as a black, dismal dungeon of despair, as a stifling hot room with no means of escape, as a heavy overcoat of pain with a button soldered together and is like walking through treacle. It is characterized by a sense of loss of control over one's life, a loss of enthusiasm and the inability to enjoy pleasure. One may know what to do but cannot summon the energy to do it. Depression may be precipitated by bereavement, illness, unemployment and perhaps sometimes a neurological abnormality. According to Buddhism, however, the overriding cause of depression is self-cherishing. Seeing one's own physical and mental pleasure as more important than anybody else's. Self-cherishing is irritability when our spouse asks us to do something that interrupts our own enjoyment, such as watching television, playing sport or talking with our friends. It is the desire to get the best food for oneself, the best seat in the cinema, the best result in an examination, and the most praise from someone of influence. How can a small thing such as selfishness, which we all have, be the cause of such a major illness as depression? There are two main reasons. The first is that unhappiness arising from selfishness is cumulative. When we do not obtain what we want or are stop from doing what we want we often overreact to a ridiculous extent. Examine your own experience. How many domestic arguments have exploded out of incredibly petty causes? Even though we chastise ourselves for our stupid behaviour we repeat the same thing again and again and again. At home, at work, at the club, wherever we go to relax our selfish behaviour isolates us from others. The accumulation of small failures in life erodes our self-confidence. We are unable to be happy and we spiral into depression. The second reason why selfishness causes depression is because it prevents us from doing the one thing that is guaranteed to bring happiness, cherishing others. Self-obsession smothers consideration for the needs of others and we stop giving love. The constant whirl of self-centered thoughts in our heads I'm so sad, I need to be happy, blinds us to the needs of our family and friends and we do nothing to help them. Our self-confidence takes a further battering because we no longer receive the feedback of love from them or the pure satisfaction and joy of making them happy. The joy of making others happy is pure because we do not crave it again and again, unlike the joy of self-indulgence which is impure because it never brings satisfaction. Cut off from the world, we sink into unhappiness, self-doubt and the thought that we are going insane. This is depression. Buddha's diagnosis of the cause of depression is not petty or discriminative. We all have self-cherishing, and if we allow it to take over our lives and block our love and compassion for others, we will be in danger of following that awful path into depression. Depression does not cause misery. Depression is misery, as it at its worst, in the human realm anyway. Depressives may not believe this, but it can get far worse in other realms of rebirth. To indicate our own path in the development of depression is not to point the finger of blame and cause guilt. If we can see that the cause is in our own mind, we will understand that the cure is also in our own mind. Seeing the shattering self-confidence of depressed people, many New Age creeds attempt to cure the problem with the philosophy of love yourself first. But this is the cause, not the cure. Great Indian Bodhisattva Shantideva said, If you want to be happy, you should never seek to please yourself. Instead, we should seek to please others. If we ask, But don't I have to protect myself from suffering? Shantideva replies, If you wish to be protected, you should constantly protect all others. Buddha's prescription for happiness is to forget yourself and love others. The more we look after our family and friends, the more they will care for us. It's so simple and so obvious, but we have to do it. And not just family and friends. Our purpose in life should be to protect every living being from suffering. We'll have to leave Venerable Tipton Gatso there because now our time is up. We'll discuss this a little bit further next time. Thanks for tuning in today and please do so again next week. Please dedicate any positive potential from the program to gaining enlightenment for all beings. Thank you and goodbye.